What's up, everybody? It's Lo, your host, and the rest of the Vols ATV crew with Brando, Alex, and Drew. So today's a pretty big milestone because we officially have 50 days until kickoff in Milan Stadium. I'm so excited. It feels so great to say that. Um, but other than that, we really don't have a ton to talk about besides our past summary of recruiting for the past week and a half or so. As everyone who watches this knows, Brando is our main recruiting guy. So we are just going to start with that and let Brando take over. Yeah, I think last week with uh, Jake, we talked about the scheduled commitments coming up. You had uh, Cameron Selden, Shemurad Umarov, and uh, Jalen Smith, the three known ones. Uh, Tennessee goes three for three on those guys, gets all three of them. And then also on July 10th, right after, you know, church Sunday service, five-star edge rushers and Davian Bradley commits to Tennessee, uh, coming off his only unofficial visit. Uh, he saw enough in the process, wraps it all up, kind of a surprise commitment. Very few people kind of knew about that. Tennessee now has two top six edge rushers in the 2023 class. Uh, going on this run, they had landing, what, three? No, yeah, three four-stars, one five-star in the span of four days. Absolutely insane. Tennessee, after missing on a lot of guys, now in that top five range, ranking uh, number five in the class overall. Absolutely crazy. Uh, just a huge, huge weekend, and it can't be said enough. The recruiting tear that Josh Heupel and co. went on this week, it was absolutely insane. Drew? Yeah, I mean, I think this is one of the best recruiting weekends. I mean, easily under the Josh Heupel era by a mile, but, I mean, one of the best ones that we've had, as far as I can remember, I mean, since I've started, like, focusing on recruiting, which is probably since the Derek Dooley era, um, the fact that you go three for three, you know, with Umarov, you know, Jalen Smith, which I think, you know, I said on, you know, on overtime on Monday, I think that's going to be one of the best guys out of this entire class. Right. He's an absolute baller. Uh, but, you know, with Umarov, Jalen Smith, and Cam Selden, who, you know, is one of the top guys that Nico really wanted in there. And then just get Jadavian Bradley out of nowhere, you know, is it's just huge. And then just the fact that on top of that, like, we might have lost Lucas Simmons, which is very unfortunate. But, you know, we get, we're – we're right there with Stanton Ramil, which I think will be – I think he's just as good as Lucas Simmons, if not a little bit better. And then, you know, we also got another one – another wide receiver, Nathan Leacock, that should be committing within the next week or so. So, I mean, considering missing out on Francis and Carnell, I mean, he is – I mean, Tennessee's bounced back tremendously. And, you know, the fact that we're talking about having a top five recruiting class in mid-July, 50 days before, before football season, that's – uh pretty uh pretty good pretty good yeah i'm i mean <clears throat> drew brando y'all kill it every time um and i always kind of take a back seat in these conversations uh y'all do way way better job of keeping up with this stuff than i do but um it kind of reminds me of that time what like two years ago three years ago maybe when uh we had like every day we had to com uh, commit under pruitt but it still kind of like felt funny it was like, ah, uh, like what's kind of going on? Like, this is kind of weird. This doesn't normally happen. But the way that we bounced back, like you said, Drew, with uh, like losing Carnell, but still getting some other people and then losing Francis, but still staying hot and getting those other ones that we were looking at. I think that's huge. Uh, just our ability to bounce back on the recruiting trail. And I'm, I'm excited for the D-line uh, to see what Garner does when he gets players that he's actually going for, that he's recruiting, uh, because the man can develop the hell out of anybody. Um, so now that we get like real talent in, not that we don't have real talent now, but we've seen what he did. He made a, a group overachieve last season. So when we get super production in there and get some depth, I'm just 
super excited just to see how that plays out with the way that uh, like games are won in the trenches sometimes. So just excited, honestly. It's funny that you mentioned Francis because after the, all of these commitments the past few days, it really, I couldn't give a shit less about losing Francis. Like we've landed some super solid commits the last few days. My other favorite thing is that we stole, like we took Jalen Smith over LSU, which to me just shows how attractive Tennessee is as a university right now to all these players and just shows like how far of an upward trend we're going in recruiting. In my opinion, like, Stealing guys out of Georgia, stealing guys from LSU. Like, these are big things. And I, I don't even think that it's a question that they're going to be massive contributors for Tennessee, like, as soon as they step on campus. Um, so I just think all around we're doing a very good job. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's no question that it's true. I mean, so I'm going to read this off. It's absolutely crazy. In the 2023 class right now, Tennessee, they have the number one player in the state of Tennessee, Caleb Herring. Yeah, the number one player in Missouri, Shandavian Bradley. Uh, the number one player in Kentucky, Christian Conyer. The number two player in California, Nico. And the number two player in Virginia, Cameron Selden. And that's just like the few to name off, to not to include like Tyree Weathersby, Jeremiah T. Lander, guys like Jalen Smith, who's like, you know, you look at their stat line and you see that three-star rating right now. And if they're not a four-star in the next ranking, it's absolutely ridiculous because these guys are putting up seasons with like 130-plus tackles in their junior year of high school going into a phenomenal senior year. So, I mean, it's just no question what, you know, Tennessee's doing. Like you say, miss out on Francis, miss out on Carnell Tate. I wouldn't call uh, Lucas Simmons kind of really a miss because Tennessee was trying to get back into that one after losing Francis and probably got in there too late. Uh, the guy was obviously committed to Florida State. But you look at, you know, teams like that, Tennessee staying hot on the trail right now. And then obviously in the day and age of college football with coaches getting tossed left and right, they're one bad season from, you know, losing that uh, recruiting class. So I look at a lot of these guys that we missed. Tennessee goes in there, maybe, you know, flips one or two. Not all of them, you know, tries to get back on anybody, maybe a, a high four-star guy on the line, you know, get getting the D-line, you know, kind of fixed up. I think that's a big one for Tennessee in recruiting, and that could be huge, huge, huge to uh, getting part in the 2023 class. And I'll end up my take with uh, to win in college football, you know, you have to have a really good quarterback, and you have to have guys that can get to the quarterback. And Tennessee, they have Nico, a five-star quarterback, two five-star edge rushers. And I look at that already in, you know, year two of the process. That's super, super amazing to have, like, that early kickstart. And if Tennessee can continue to do that uh, 2024, 2025, that uh, rebuild is going to be a lot, lot quicker. So, Yeah, I mean, and we're going to be in really good shape even after losing Byron Young and Tyler Barron after this year. Because, you know, we're going to have a lot of freshmen come in. But when you think about Tyree West, Joshua Josephs, then, you know, Caleb Herring and Shadavian Bradley are all going to be James there. Pierce. James Pierce, another one that's probably probably wind up being a starter by the end of the year. There's a lot of talent there. And, guys, I don't remember the last time we've had this much talent on the defensive line uh, in, at any time in Tennessee. It might have to be back in the 90s, honestly, during the John Chavis and, you know, Fulmer era. But when you talk about, like, you know, getting a lot of these guys like Jalen Smith and Jeremiah T. Lander and Christian Conyers, these guys might be three stars now. But – it's going to be actually huge for our recruiting points and like recruiting perspective on keeping our ranking in the top five because all three of those guys are going to be four stars by the end of by the by the end of November, early December. Like I, I guarantee it. And when you add that on there, we really only need to like maybe get a couple more guys in there. And this, I mean, I think worst case scenario, we finish eight or nine. Like this, I think it's almost a lock now at this point that this is a top ten recruiting class, which. I, you know, it's been a very long time where we could even say that before even the season starts. So 
just an unbelievable turnaround from Heifel and his staff, and especially Rodney Gardner, just absolutely crushing it. Yeah, I'm going to step in with a, uh, a Twitter question right quick. Um, we kind of are hitting it right now, but Avery Jank 7 asks, what are y'all's thoughts on our interior defensive line this year? If y'all want to keep expanding, I know, Drew, you kind of just hit that right there, and Brando too as well. But I mean, I think, you know, like for us losing Matthew Butler, I think this defensive line is not going to skip a beat. You know, they set the program record last year for tackles for loss of 107 in a season, which is just unbelievable to think considering the depth issues that we had. But when you have Byron Young, who I think is probably going to have at least 10 sacks this year, Tyler Barron, who has SEC experience, I think he's going to take that extra step. But then you have that depth behind where they're freshman talent, but, you know, James Pierce, Joshua Joseph, Tyree West, these are guys that can make an impact instantly. And the huge contrast that we've had from recent years is that, you know, we would have a good starting 11, but then the depth talent from going from the first string to the second string was like a step back. I don't think there's a step back with this defensive line. There might be with the secondary and other positions, but as far as the defensive line goes, it would not surprise me one bit if that core winds up finishing the top three in the conference. Yeah. I mean, I'll add to that to say that uh, Rodney Garner, he's going to always get the best out of his interior D lineman. Then he also got to think of a crazy maniac like Mike Eckler on the edge, just coaching these guys up like James Pierce and all that. When you look at the interior guys, I look at a lot of promising, you know, young guys, Tyree West, Jordan Phillips. And I think it starts in recruiting. Uh, obviously, right now, Garner being a really like experienced veteran coach, I know his coaching tactics are A1. But right now in recruiting, I know it could probably be better in the 2023 class. And I think you obviously will have that name emerge later on, like last year at the final minute, uh, flipping Tyree West. Uh, Vic Burley, I heard that he's not the number one defensive line target anymore at Clemson. So a lot of these kids take that kind of personal. So later down the line, if a relationship like that can come in handy and you can kind of flip a guy like that, Vic Burley, or another interior D lineman to add to those guys on the edge, I'm, I agree with Drew. There's you know no reason that the D line should step back with all that coaching and experience. And I think in the SEC that uh, with especially how our defense plays, having to play quick off the ball because of our offense, those D line guys, they're they're getting trained right now to be snappy. And I just think that that's going to make our D line more vicious than it has in recent years where we couldn't even get to the quarterback under Pruitt. So. Well, I just want to add to that, that, I mean, even the guys that have went from year one to year two already have so much more experience and training under their belt. I mean, just imagine like all the reps that they get in practice versus this offense. I mean, you kind of got to sit back because last year we knew nothing about what to expect, but now we do. And just knowing that they're getting reps against Heupel's like elite offense just shows you that they're already getting trained to be better. So I'm just, I'm not concerned about it in recruiting wise. I think they've done a phenomenal job on that point. So I don't I see issues. Oh, my bad. Oh, you're good. That's good. Also, I think that like, like you were saying, if you practice against how fast our offense runs, then other offenses are just like cakewalk, essentially. Like in terms of speed, um, but yeah, like obviously there's like really good offenses and stuff, but like if you good and you move fast, like you almost like feel like you're playing from behind before the game even starts. But if a, if a team's like slower than, or like most people are going to be slower than us, that gives our, our line a, a break and just get ready to set themselves. But honestly, as long as we got Garner, I am perfectly fine with whoever we bring in because I trust what he's already shown us. Uh, he showed how much he could develop in one year, but also that he pumps out NFL talent. So if you get on campus, he's going to make something out of you. So as long as he stays here, I'm cool. I, I think defensive line is the last thing that we need to worry about. 
David Andrews, keep that man. Yeah. Honestly, I'll give pay, a, pay the man. I'll give a shout out too to uh, BJM, our linebackers coach Brian G. Marie, because uh, previously a couple episodes back, I was kind of dogging him for his recruitment, going out there, landing Jeremiah T. Lander, Jalen Smith. Uh, mm-hmm. It also sounds like also coming out of spring practice that Elijah Herring and Joshua Josephs are going to be really impact freshmen too in that position. So you know. Also starting at the linebacker position that's really, really, you know, in need. You go along with the interior D-line. And then the DB room is starting to kind of recruit itself. You still got guys locked in, Sylvester Smith, Jack Luttrell. Uh, sounds like uh, they're still going after guys like Ricky Gibson and Jordan Matthews. So all in all, like it's all falling into place. And if you can fix that defense, all the depth holes quick, it's just that process just speeds up for itself. But to also have the experience coaching like Mike Eckler, he's been coaching a decade, Rodney Garner decades. BJM decades going back to Texas and South Florida and other teams. And then Willie Martinez, who started off here way, way back. So I just think you have like the right crew, like the recruiting NIL, it's really helping Tennessee. So you got that experience. Guys are going to get into the league and it's just going to help overall. And I just always see that speeding up, helping us all. So I think another thing that we kind of forget too is because, you know, our defense is on the field for like a long time, like during the game. I mean, I think it was like on average, you're probably on the field about 35 or 36 minutes every single game. And then the Kentucky game, like, yeah, 45 minutes for the Kentucky game. But like, you know, they can actually, you know, and the crazy thing about this, I kind of thought about this earlier today, you know, like they could actually use that as a recruiting tactic in the sense of like, you know, we already have three or four ed rushers in this like class alone. If you go and talk to guys, like, hey, look, we're going to be on the, you guys are going to be on the field the majority of the game. And we're going to have to do rotations nonstop on players to make sure that everyone's fresh and healthy and everything. And you're going to have more of an opportunity to be on the field than as opposed to going to school X, where you're just going to be redshirted or, you know, play as a backup for the majority of the season. So, you know, and in a crazy way, as like ridiculous as it is, and like how, you know, in almost unbelievable condition that these guys on defense have to be to play for that long, it's actually a pretty good recruiting tactic to know, to tell these kids that they're going to be able to play immediately. So, I fully agree that maybe that's what they've been doing, Drew. You just got an insight. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, all in all, it's crazy. Like the recruiting, they said he couldn't recruit number five class in the country, number one in the SEC. And obviously, like teams like Bama and Georgia will probably end up surging like later on. Uh, Tennessee, like already locked in. Like I said, two five star edge rush, rushers, like in a quarterback, the two positions that are you know, gone after the most where you have like, you know, teams like Bama and Georgia missing, like Georgia going after origin completely failing. And then Bama, somehow Bama and now they have uh, two top 10 ranked quarterbacks committed at the same time. So now they just keep on adding on. They got that. They got Dylan Lagergan and they have Eli Holston, which is absolutely crazy. But uh, obviously just look Tennessee, they're getting the guys they want, you know, maybe one or two misses, but overall they're going out there and they're, they're getting those guys and it all comes around. So. Really, really impressive going into year two, especially after a, not even a crazy year one. So, For sure. Do you have anything else you want to talk about recruiting before we bring up the other thing we want to talk about? <laughs> uh, I think all in all, um, Drew said, you know, Stanton Ramil coming up at the end of the month. Nathan Leacock probably going to be around like the 21st, I heard. And then you got guys like Ricky Gibson probably like August 5th, August 3rd in that uh, Dayton range. So probably not every day. I know they're all kind of like feeding for some more like domino effect recruiting, but Tennessee's still looking to add some guys. And I think they're in great spots with all three of those guys. So go and get key uh, pieces on the defense would be a really good spot. So just think Tennessee's going to add on. And I think they're still going to stay in that top five range. So should be really good for the team. 
absolutely. So the next thing we wanted to talk about, I saw this and sent it to the group chat like a couple days ago. Yeah, 24-7 Sports, Brad Crawford is projecting Tennessee to beat Georgia this year, 34-31 to in Georgia. So let's just go around and hear everyone's thoughts on this. Yeah, I saw it pop up on my Instagram feed. And, I mean, first the first one was the Georgia one, their projection that popped up. And then they posted the Tennessee one shortly after. And I know, like, Georgia fans, like, everyone in the SEC was sick when they saw that, saying there's no way that Tennessee's going to go into Athens and beat them in year two. Like, there's just no way after they lost year one. And then they showed ours where uh, we were expected to lose to Bama, LSU, and then South Carolina. And I have beef with both parts because, I mean, the Georgia one is probably realistic, but going into the other part of, like, losing, like, the the Bama game that had, like, a 34-31 loss and then the – I think the South Carolina was like 37, 34. I just don't see us losing to Shane Beamer, the same guy throwing his hands up down 38 to seven last year. I just don't see that with Spencer Rattler making that crazy of a flip when they didn't address any positions in need. And then the Georgia one in itself, I know that's the main topic. I mean, I know that's going to make people sick, but I just think our offense, like they did, let's be honest, they did lose their whole defense. Like everyone got drafted. Now, is Kirby Smart going to be like enough in the, like Nick Saban type to reload year after year after winning a natty? Is he built like that? No one knows. Like, it's it's going to be interesting to see. The quarterback position is kind of, you know, wary. Their defense was taken out, uh, losing their DC to Oregon. So, I mean, it's realistic, to be honest. I can kind of see it. If Tennessee can go in there year two under Heupel and shock the, you know, national defending champs. Drew's over here sick to his mind. He's not even convinced for beating Florida and Tennessee. So, I mean – there's definitely a way it's just not likely, but I mean, like, you know, honestly, for even with my opinion about the Florida game, I will admit that that's a pretty high chance that we win that game. Like everything about that makes sense of us winning that game, right? Nothing makes any sense whatsoever about winning Georgia. First of all, we have <laughs> won we've won there twice since 2006, okay? And the only reason we won 2016, was because of the freaking Dobnail boot and because Juwan Jennings is an absolute goat. That's the only reason. We basically lost that game, quite honestly. Yeah. We're not going in this year, okay? We're, it's going to be closer than it was last season. I will agree. But we're not going to go and beat Georgia on the road. And we we're sure as hell not going to go beat, theoretically beat Georgia on the road and then go lose to freaking Shane Beamer and his goofy ass in Columbia two weeks later. There's no shot. Like, like it's just the whole entire thing was ridiculous. Like, like, and the more I realized, like, the more of these like experts on these websites have no idea what the hell they're talking about. So, I think twenty four seven, you kind of know, you know. Well, yeah. they're in it for the shock factor, but well, none of it's real. We're sitting here talking about it right now. <laughs> I mean, even, even Josh Pate, even Josh Pate, who works for two four seven, has like a radio show. He even he was like, "This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen." Like, I think back. I would think back to uh, when we had Christopher Gabriel on the show. He kind of said that Tennessee would probably go out there and shock one team and then get shocked by another team. I don't think that team is South Carolina, respectfully. I just, I just don't see it. Uh, maybe, you know, like a, a pit or like I don't even know who else we could really lose to. I don't think we have a problem with Florida, Kentucky, or Vanderbilt next year, period. Uh, South Carolina, I just don't it's think – It's going <laughs> Yeah, I just – I don't think yeah, – Missouri and Eli Drinkwitz don't scare me. I just I just don't see it. They missed out on six transfer quarterbacks. They had to, you know, beg for someone to come play for them this year. So I don't think they'll be really good. Um, I, I just don't see it. I think Tennessee rolls, but 
the one game I could see where it'd be like a shocking upset, even though in the back of our minds it wouldn't really be that big of an upset, would be the LSU game. That's a game yeah, that I, I, mean, I guess yeah. on the road. We're not winning. I've always had it as well, though. And as far as like the upset goes, I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe Pittsburgh, but if we're going to be honest, it's not really that big of an upset considering they won the ACC last year. But like, I, we're not going to lose to Mr. Four Eyes, Missouri. Okay. That's a fact. That's we're not going to lose to that ball headed loser at Vanderbilt. And we're not going to lose to Mr. Goober, Shane Beamer at South Carolina either. So they need to like chuck this fucking prediction into the bin because this was awful. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, hey, Drew, we we had somebody we had somebody in the Twitter feed say this is uh, from Vault Admiral. He said, "I agree with Drew, but at the same time, I disagree with that fan being off with that hair in this heat." So you got people that are that are pulling for you, but they don't understand your, uh, I guess, like your thermodynamics because it's hot. My thermodynamic, like what? Because I have long hair. <laughs> I guess he just don't want your neck sweat, but he agreed with you. So I mean, there's that. That's I like mean, the first fan to agree with you. It just seems like a really off-topic comment, but <laughs> fall admiral for it, I guess. <laughs> okay, I wanted to make a point. So say, so let's just look at this realistic at, in a somewhat of a momentum type way. So say Tennessee like beats Ball State, Pitt, Akron, Florida at home, which I'm expecting. Yeah. I think they win at LSU, lose to Bama, and beat UT Martin in Kentucky. That put them at seven and one going into Georgia, which would be absolutely freaking nuts. And it's yeah. far enough in the season that it could be a pretty close game. I mean, way closer than anyone probably thinks. No, no, we're not doing this. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna like fantasize that. I'm not gonna like. Cedric Hendon Hooker to Seti touchdown. When I read it when I read it. This light clicked into my mind for a split second because, I, as a season ticket holder, I requested tickets to Georgia and LSU, and I was just like, "What if I was there for my first trip to Georgia, and that happened for just a glimmer of hope?" I just know Baton Rouge is going to be stupid crazy. I, I can definitely see that being a reasonable loss just because off environment alone. Like, Depending on game time. We talked about yeah, that. Yeah, we talked about it. Yeah. If, but. like, you know, if it's a 3.30 kickoff, I would like our chances. But if it's a noon kickoff where it's 11 a.m. over there or a night game, zero chance. I'm, I, don't, Ballman, I don't like it at all. Volman just replied to our tweet saying uh, UT Martin Skyhawks with the upset. I just want to point out that we are not Vanderbilt. We do not lose to our FCS opponents anymore. Uh, anymore. Um, anymore. <laughs> anymore. <laughs> we did try Hopefully. that one season. Didn't work out yeah. well. But. Yeah. I, I just, yeah. I, I pointed out in one of my group chats the fact that Tennessee potentially could uh, go in there and kick uh, the head coach of uh, UT Martin and then his son plays for a team that we're also going to play that we kind of missed out on way back then. Uh, I just think that would be kind of cool if that did kind of fantasy happen. That'd be nice. But all in all, uh, yeah, that schedule prediction thing off the charts is stupid. Um, really? So many eight and four, nine and oh, three. Drew, we're going nine and three. It's just flipped eight around a little four, bit. Reasonable with a bold win. That's nine and four. That's that's a great year too. I mean, it's that's better than you like three weeks ago. I, I agree. Much better than three weeks ago. And as we're approaching the season, it's getting closer. And He's slowly but surely kind of getting better as we get closer. And like how we started the episode talking about like the 2023 class, the way you capitalize and you finish off going into, you know, December and May, you have a good season in year two. Uh, everyone's trajectory, you look at like Ole Miss, 
uh, second team uh, coaches going to second year coaches going into the SEC. They all had that trajectory going up from like eight and four to like 10 and two, nine and three, just making at least a little jump in improvement. And I think if you let recruits see that also with what you're offering, uh, just in general, as you know, a top university and top grossing income university, I think that'll, you know, get Tennessee super back in the recruiting game. And it all comes back to getting guys here. So if you went back on that, absolutely crazy. But 50 days, absolute madness, ball state. I still think we'll have a good turnout. I just think everyone will be hyped for year two. So if we get like 90,000 there, I'll be pretty happy. I think Near 90 that night on a Thursday. I think 90,000 for a Thursday night is a pretty reasonable thing. I mean, we only had 80,000 last year. So, yeah, but that was, yeah. What's this question, Alex? Um, there's a question from Knoxville V865, and it says, how much will QB play be affected in second year slash offseason scheming against our offense? But I don't know that I understand it. How much will QB yeah, asking, like asking like how people will scheme against us? or I think that's what he's asking. That's why I don't – yeah, it said, well, it says against – yeah, against our offense. So I, oh, yeah, yeah, So I guess he's saying like, uh, now that people have seen our, our offense for a season, like, do you expect a lot of change moving forward? Honestly, no. I'll, I'll point out, yeah. Not at all. I don't even – I mean, yeah, there's no way Hypel even showed half of what he has, not no, to mention all exactly, the yeah. returning talent and new talent. Not a chance in hell. He's just getting started. I know that this sounds ridiculous, but he is like a mastermind in offense. That I have no doubt that anyone will be able to stop us at all. Yeah, and it, I, it was I said, sorry, okay. I was gonna say it was said like how Lo said it was said that uh, Tennessee Heifel he only used like twenty five percent of his official playbook going into year one, and then we talked about it plenty of times on the show. Uh, you know, year one to year two where Heifel's been Utah State, Missouri, everywhere in Oklahoma, like involved. Like the the numbers from year one to year two under a second year QB is absolutely phenomenal. Then you you know you added on the outside with Brew McCoy, you have your inside slide, and also you know going four wide more this year. And having more threats in the field, playing in space, uh, going quick. I think Tennessee is going to be even quicker. They were like the second quickest team or first quickest team last year. Two point nine nine plays or two point nine nine seconds between plays. Absolutely crazy. So I, I don't think that anyone's going to be able to scheme like that. And if they do, it's going to go against like their players' conditioning. Because if you just kind of scheme against that like one week, you know, a year, like I feel like that kind of affects your fatigue going into a game week. So I just think that you know, kind of hope for the best. Maybe take ripples of it, but. Like y'all said, he's only getting started, to be honest. So, I also think it'll be cool to see Hooker be QB1 for the entire offseason and going into the regular season. Because, what? Why are you shaking your head? <laughs> Go ahead. You're you're making a good point. Uh, so I just – I think, like, we, we also forget that Hooker didn't have a full season as QB1. Like, we did start with Milton. So, Hooker will have, again, more time. Not that he didn't settle in. Obviously, he did 33-3 to uh, touchdown-interception ratio. But – like he will have a full season, a full off season as QB one in practice, and then also go into the season as our, like our uh, official leader. So I, I'm excited for that. Um, but also, yeah, I really don't think you can't show all your cards in year one. And I think Hypo just has so many things up under his sleeve that we're just waiting to see. But I mean, when you when you have an offensive mind like him, and you come back with more continuity, and you bring in all the talent that we're bringing in, like I don't I don't see how people prep for it. They can try. I mean, like, uh, there will be times where we have lulls in the offense like that happens, but I still expect a lot more of the same as last year. Like, we're still going to be putting up, like, 40 points a game. Uh, 
obviously dropping it still on Beamer's head. I think, I think, I think he's still going to be putting his hands up when his team scores a touchdown. They still down like 42. That's fine by me, but um, no, I'm, I'm just excited. I like, that's all I can say is I just, I can't wait to see this play out. Like the closer yeah. we get, the more I'm like, all right, I'm ready for a touchdown. Like I got to hear, I got to hear Rocky top play, but that's just me. So uh, one of our, our viewers on the YouTube chat, he pointed out like a really good point. Uh, this is how teams are going to stop Tennessee next year. They never address the rule of faking injuries. You know, they, they got rid of the Kenny Pickett's fake slide thing. There was a lot of other changes, but they didn't address the fact that, you know, Lane Kiffin and many other teams later in the season started going down with cramps in the freezing cold in November, December, uh, January, even in the Music City Bowl game. So, like, that's one way that people can stop Tennessee. How often, you know, I, th I think they said, like, they'll give them a warning, but there's going to be no repercussions for it, which is absolutely crazy. Um, that's pathetic, but it's real. It is smart. Yeah, exactly. yeah, it's smart. And I, I think, like, I also think, though, that uh, Heifel and then, like, after, like, the second half of the Ole Miss game and seeing that, like, hey, like, they're not going to stop doing this. Like, they're just going to keep doing this. Like, this is how they're going to play. You also had to kind of game plan around that. So I feel like, um, things like that, like you obviously know what's going to work, but they probably went into, you know, little ripples of uh, playing against, you know, defects like that, uh, getting, you know, good things like Warren Fields phase. Like if you can come back with a big play after a fake injury like that and keep your momentum, that's what kind of happened a lot. Like Tennessee, you know, 30 seconds off the clock, you know, off the field, you couldn't really use your advantage. And like they tried as hard as they could, but when you're playing from behind and that happens, like it's kind of impossible to get back with how we play. So I think as long as you can play ahead, play fast, uh, last year, we led the nation in point differential in the first quarter, like outscoring teams like ridiculously, like 28 to 7 every time, like stupid. Um, that's what helped us a lot. And I think if you just get ahead quick, it's going to be hard to keep up. As long as our defense gets one to two stops, like we should be in good hands. But the Gatorade jugs, man, the cramps, it's just crazy. December weather. Well, you know, I mean, you always get cramps during, you know, that cold November and, you know, dry, you know, late December weather. So it, you know from a physical standpoint, it makes complete sense, obviously. But I think, you know, I think they're going to, like, be able to recognize maybe some of, like, you know, the formation that Heifel has under this offense after the first year. But, like, you know, like what you said, I mean, he said back in April that like, they've only used 25% of their playbook. And I think what he's actually really going to capitalize is, like, what you said with the, you know, with people using the fake injuries and the fake ramps. He's probably going to try to use more of his playbook on making capitalizing plays. After having those, you know, having that happen during the game. And so that was a huge thing last year. Is like we couldn't get anything going once once a team did that. So I, you know, I don't really have any concerns about this offense. I still think we're going to average 45, 46, 47, 48, maybe even 50 points a game. It's just I just hope we can stop someone on defense, you know, and just have the lead at the end. Well, the other thing we wanted to talk about was this ridiculous list that came out. You know, we were just talking about Hinden Poker and 33 to 3 oh versus interceptions. And he wasn't even not only on not on the top 10 or the top 15 or even the top 20. Who all was above him? You guys let some people know about that. So the three quarterbacks that LSU has, Miles Brennan, uh, Jaden Daniels, and I forgot the other guy, they were all above him. Um Spencer Rattler, who literally got booed off the field after being an absolute disgrace at Oklahoma and got bent for the rest of the year, he was at three. He was higher than C.J. Stroud at Ohio State. I mean, like, Will Levis was above him, you know, Mr. Mayonnaise boy himself. Uh, I mean – Rotten banana. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, uh, what's the guy that, you know, transferred from USC to Pitt? Uh, Caden Slavis. Caden Slavis, number nine. 
Caleb Williams, who hasn't played it down at USC, number two. I mean, like, this list was the most bonkers thing I have ever seen in my life. And Pro Football Focus has put a lot of dumb shit on their Oh, yeah. This is the cream of the crop. I mean, it just – it was mind-blowing. I'm not going to lie. When I saw this this morning on Twitter, I had to go outside and pace myself in the Enterprise (laughs) Mall parking lot because I was – fucking fair get furious i mean it was ridiculous no like you raise a good point Drew, because literally on my account i've like had you know three posts from the last you know month and a half of pro football focus talking about how hendon hooker led the nation in like play action passes and his like you know percentage from like touchdown to interception ratio leading the sec like third in the sec coming back as like the most experienced quarterback you know to ride that coattail and then to go in there and not even put him like one of the best dual threat like returning quarterbacks in the nation would have been probably fourth, fifth round pick in this year's draft, decided to come back. And then you don't even put him in the top 10 over a guy, Caden Slavis, who put USC in the downfall, got beat out by Jackson Dart as a true freshman. Uh, Caleb Williams, you know, only playing because Spencer Rowley got booted off the field. The, the, the list was stupid. And I just think that if you don't have Hendon Hooker as a top 10 quarterback after he beat multiple of those quarterbacks or is going to be another one of those quarterbacks this year, it's just going to come back to bite him. And I think he's going to beat a few on that list. So. And that was another thing, too. It wasn't even, like, that pissed me off, right? They had Jackson Dart and the other guy, Ole Miss, two of those guys, above Stetson yeah. Bennett, which made zero sense. Like, I don't think Bennett's the best quarterback in the world, but the guy just won a national title. I mean, like, it, like this whole no, entire list just made no sense. I Like, I haven't been this angry in a very long time. I just wonder how they get paid to make lists like that. I guess to trigger podcasts. Yeah, I don't know. pissed off like this. It, so, <laughs> hey, if you if you didn't know who he was and you only listen to South Carolina fans, you would think that Spencer Rattler is the next coming of Jesus and the rapture is occurring just because they got him. But this dude played in the Big Twelve in a pass happy offense with a a very a very good quarterback developer in Lincoln Riley, and a, a conference where nobody plays defense. And like you said, Drew got booed off the field because he played so bad. So why do you want to come to our conference where the lines are better? People play defense, and you're really not going to get much done. And like, you think that you're just going to be what the third best quarterback in the country? Like that. That that is why. Like when we were talking about the Georgia game, I feel like it's more reasonable to think that we beat Georgia than we lose to South Carolina solely based off that. Like that. That's crazy to me that they think that he will come in and just like fix everything. Like he's not good. Like prove me yeah. wrong. I, I mean, whatever. He's, but like, still, like that's crazy. He's terrible. I mean, like literally <laughs> through. Three, I think it was two or three interceptions against West Virginia last year, who was statistically the worst defense in the Big 12. Neil Brown. The only defense in the FBS that was worse than them was Missouri, and that's because Missouri's defense is like Swiss cheese. I mean, like <laughs> – Yeah, we saw what we did to them. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, I'll, I'll say respectfully, there's a reason why uh, Caleb Williams is out there in Southern California and not Spencer Rattler. Um, there's a reason why he's in the SEC at South Carolina with Shane Beamer at his you know, second resort. And I'll also agree that, you know, South Carolina, their offensive line, respectfully, uh, going up against SEC teams with their schedule and then having to play Clemson and other teams like that. I just don't think that uh, by the end of the season, I think maybe another group assistant head coach or whatever they had last year will have to come out there and play quarterback again. Because I just – I don't think that Spencer Valley is going to last. And I sure don't think that he's a top three quarterback in the country or the SEC. I, I just respectfully – you really think a school that produced Connor Shaw and Steven Garcia is going to make Spencer Rattler be a good quarterback? Get out of here. Give me a uh, Ain't no way. Special teams coach Shane, no. 
until you until as a grown adult you stop saying go cox then like i i don't trust anything that you do <laughs> they have a meme going around right now where they have their logo in a body and it says it's the cock in me like they that's how they get down so. <laughs> or you know they have like a eastern european like, edm song as their entrance with sandstorm so i mean just terrible. Like, just figure a, it out. We're going to have to go play <laughs> there this year. That's going to be awful. Y'all just embarrassing us. For that, if I have to hear that song, I'm going to fight someone. I'm not going to that stadium this year. They're like the little brother that got invited to the, the big kids party. Like, they're just kind of hanging out doing their own thing. And it's like, everybody else like, okay, let's be serious over here. Like, eh, yeah, go Cox. I mean, I respect Vanderbilt more, and Vanderbilt's never been worth a damn in football. Yeah, because they know they're not. Like they, they at least know their spot, but they're like, "Oh yeah, we got Spencer Rattler." Okay, four and eight. God, I'm pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm livid. Well, let's just, I like I said, I think the only reason they make this that fucking idiotic and with no sense is just to get people like us to get all pissed about it. I mean, that's theory. what's crazy, though. Like, all the great buzz that Tennessee has right now, there's no negativity all around in the air. And then, like, they have to throw something out there. Like, all right, fuck it. Let's get these guys mad. Well, what, the switch flip because now the negative negativity is just on how fucking dumb they look. We don't even care. We know. You know, it's, it's weird. Like, I have to actually search for shit to be pissed off about. Not just about the, like, State of affairs with the program. I have to like actively now look at lists and look at ridiculous nonsense to get angry. I mean, like That's, it's just. It's fun. Is, <laughs> I was gonna say, but, what a joy that is. <laughs> but nice. sports, pro football focus. We're throwing your list into the trash can because that's disgraceful. Absolutely. Disrespectfully. Disrespectfully. No Straight respect at all. No respect intended. Zero we're not lighting couches on fire yet, but we're damn sure lighting y'all's lists on fire. <laughs> yeah. I would love to have one of them come up on this show next week and explain themselves. But <laughs> not just that schedule, but that have the audacity to like literally have three quarterbacks on the same team in the top twenty all together. Like it'd be equivalent to having like a guy in someone's basement from Vol and Oaks on here, Drew. Like that's I, I don't think that pro football focus is uh you know the top of the tier of credibility, but the fact that they do, you know, get reposts is kind of crazy. I mean, Especially they all that, that Ryan Tannehill is a top 10 quarterback. So, I mean, so let's just okay, take that, it. That's too far. Okay. <laughs> I'm not here for the Ryan Tannehill slander and I will not, I will not take it. That's where, that's where Brando draw the line. <laughs> I'm just saying, he's no Charlie Whitehurst. Oh I don't even, I can't even tell you who that <laughs> name is. I don't even know who Charlie Whitehurst is. <laughs> <laughs> Go. <laughs> did y'all want to say anything else? Um, I wanted to. I did want to give a shout out to Jake Miller for having Drew and I back on the radio this past mm -hmm. Monday in on overtime. And if you guys did miss that, you can catch the replay on the Sports Radio Knoxville app. Then <coughs> for having us on for that. Um, Closing thoughts for everyone. And this literally not mini episode. Like we're gonna do thirty yeah, minutes less and we prepared forty, but that's fine. Um I guess you know the overtime appearance growing the brand, but you also look at Tennessee athletics, you know, uh Tony Latello got him that little Yukon uh first baseman the other day, which is a huge transfer pickup, kind of went quietly with all the football stuff that Tennessee's doing. Uh, I think Tennessee's building the brand really well. You're having the AD and everyone buy in with their five-year plan they announced over there. Um, everyone's kind of buying in. 
Uh, they have their full trust and, you know, Hype was able to do what he wants to do. You're seeing it went on the recruiting trail. And now, like we said, uh, we're in the beginning 50 days until he can prove it on the football field again, going into year two, which I fully expect. Um, I know counting down in these next weeks, I don't know, quick maths, seven weeks. Yeah, seven weeks exactly. Maybe seven more episodes before football season six to seven. So it'll be absolutely crazy. I know we're going to be itching for content and I'm sure we'll have like more recruiting stuff next week or the week after that. So closing statement, absolute win and uh, big things on the recruiting trail. I mean, it was a perfect recruiting weekend last weekend. I, you know, I don't think we could be in a better position than we are right now on the recruiting trail. And I think it just really speaks for volumes on how well Hypel and the staff is doing as far as like the state of affairs with this football program. When in mid-July, I'm getting pissed off about pro football focus quarterback list and season predictions from two set two four seven sports that has going nine and three. So. Well, I'm getting redneck angry, Roan County rage, Farragut furious, pal pissed off, Alcoa angry about going nine and three, then you know it's a good thing. Closing arguments. Uh, well, there's a bug in my face. Spent Rattler's <laughs> not good. Uh, he will be bad this season. And in about uh, just, yeah, right at about a month, we've got our live show. So just keep that on y'all's calendars at the uh, Skybox in Knoxville. Uh, a lot of big names floating around that might be hanging around our show. So definitely come hang out and see us. And it'll be our first time meeting uh, all of us in person. So we can all we can all meet each other. We meet y'all, whoever's listening, whoever wants to come. So just keep that on y'all's calendars. Literally so wild that we all haven't met in person. It absolutely kills yeah. me. We should have Q&A, like have people go and ask us questions. Like as if it's out hall or something. Like Josh Heupel, where are you at? <laughs> Bring the staff, bring the whole gang. <laughs> Seriously, that's going to be so fun. I, I get scared about us talking about it because there's so much planning, but at least we have the venue and the date and all that set up, so that's good. But, it'll uh, be like the fire fest. <laughs> <laughs> no, it'll be awesome. We still got a month. But uh, I don't know. I guess my thing is kind of like Drew. It's like just be excited, be happy that this is – the shit we're talking about in July leading up to this season in year two. Um, I, I have nothing but excitement. Just 50 days until we're almost at 49. Like, I don't know. It's just absolutely exciting. I can't wait to be there. I'm leaving work early and everything. I've already planned. For it. Um, so, yeah, just a lot to look forward to. But I, I don't know what the hell that was. I don't know what that was. Anyways, um, until next time, I assume we'll be here next week. Um, I don't see any reason why not. So I guess look out for us next week. This will be on Spotify tomorrow or Friday. Hopefully if Ronnie gets it in gear. Um, <laughs> so until next time, good night. Go balls. Go balls. Go balls. Go balls.